the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us in the chat. We've got so much to break down from what was a very, very busy and exciting week four, and it ain't done yet. It is 1141 on the East Coast as we're talking right now. USC does not have a touchdown yet as they are currently trailing uh, 7-3 in Corvallis at Oregon State. We've already had two upsets of top 10 teams. Well, not upsets, but at least two top 10 teams have already taken losses. USC could be a third. We almost had a fourth or a fifth. Uh, it has been a magnificent Saturday. We are going to dig into it all right now. But since we are coming to you right after the primetime slate, I, gentlemen, I, I think we should begin right there because we had uh, a couple thrillers with Kansas State and Oklahoma, with Texas A&M taking down Arkansas. And so I just, I, so many times we got to hear Brock Heward say this on the broadcast uh, for Fox. He did the who is who is wearing who is this who is wearing this jersey because the man who had his passing stats blemished on this year cover three podcast went twenty one for thirty four for two hundred thirty four yards and a touchdown led his team with one hundred and forty eight yards rushing and four touchdowns Oklahoma falls to Kansas State again. And again, it happens the week after a nonsensical Kansas State loss. 41-34 Wildcats win. Is is this just what Kansas State and Oklahoma do? Or are we a little bit more excited about Adrian Martinez, what he can do with Colin Klein, what Kansas State is within the Big 12? Or are we concerned about the Sooners at this point? Hey, Chip, what, what's your favorite Adrian Martinez passing performance this year? It's uh, 21 for 34 for 234 yards and a touchdown. Nice win, buddy. Uh, I, man, I, I had real questions about Colin Klein as the Kansas State OC. I mean, th through three games, I was like, is this uh, this guy getting hired because he played there? It, what, Partly. Are they, 
What do they do? Well, sure, right. <laughs> you know? uh, I, I thought they kept a, a what I think is a pretty damn good Oklahoma team off balance for most of the night. They, they ran 83 plays. Oklahoma did not sack Martinez. They only had four tackles for loss on 83 plays. Kansas State's offensive line beat Oklahoma's defensive line. They reestablished the line of scrimmage. When you add that extra man into the run scheme, right, it, it, it creates the extra gap. So you got to account for that surface. Oklahoma did not do that very well. And it wasn't like Kansas State was hitting explosive plays in the pass game. I mean, he was 21 of 34 for 234, which is not great, but it's not going to get you beat if you're also running the ball for 275 yards. Kansas State possessed the ball. They finished drives in the red zone uh, better than Oklahoma did. And they were the better team on the night in Norman. This really, to me, wasn't fluky. And to make matters worse for Oklahoma fans, USC just got an interception in Oregon State territory. But um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Like this was just there's nothing. Oh my gosh, we're watching USC as Oklahoma is painfully yeah. dealing. Oh my gosh! Yes, like I was going to make the joke. Like, if you're an Oklahoma fan, are you like if USC loses to Oregon State, does it like wipe the Oklahoma loss to Kansas State off the board for you completely? Does it make your night okay? You know, are you breaking even? But this is just going back to this game. Like, I agree. This was not fluky at all. Kansas State played better than Oklahoma. Kansas State outplayed Oklahoma. And Adrian Martinez had the game of his life for the most part. Like, if you're looking at what's happening at Nebraska and what Adrian Martinez did tonight for Kansas State in beating Oklahoma, which just mollywopped Nebraska, like, it's pretty clear Adrian made the right decision to get out of Lincoln and finish his career at Kansas State where maybe he can experience a little more success. And now, I mean, you look around the Big 12, and I'm sure we're going to get to it more, but, like, this is a huge win for Kansas State in the fact that, okay, it's knocked off Oklahoma. That's awesome. But when you just look at the landscape of the conference now, come the end of the year where there's really not, from based on what you see from Oklahoma losing this game tonight and what you've seen from other teams who I'm sure we'll talk about later, Outside of Kansas, there is not a dominant team in this conference. Like this could put, we might be setting up for a sunflower showdown in the Big 12 championship after this one. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, there we go. Firing off on Kansas right away. So it wasn't a fluky win, but there was some stuff that was like Adrian Martinez was pulling it out of his keister, right? I mean, and some of that is the Adrian Martinez experience, right? Extend the play, be able to somehow find someone down the field. Uh, I think that for Oklahoma defensively, for all the credit that was given to where the Sooners were under Brent Venables at this point, there were some breakdowns, man. Like they, they, they did not have a great performance here. It definitely has me adjusting the way that I look at the Sooners defense. But still, I think I come away with more positives for Kansas State. I, I don't disagree, but I will say – Yes, he did pull some stuff out of his keister, to, to use that term. But Kansas State did stay ahead of the chains somewhat well on those third downs, right? And I think it had to be pretty frustrating if you're an Oklahoma fan. So K-State tonight faced uh, a lot of third downs. I, I'm not going to be able to count all these up. But, I mean, 5-3-6-5-3-2-4-3-4-5. Like, that, that's a lot of third downs that don't start with a 7-8-9 or double digits, right? And, yes, third and five is – you know, technically a passing down. I, I get that. But if you're in sort of that kind of middle middle zone where, where it makes sense to go for it two times and you have a mobile quarterback like Martinez, you, you can run him as they did sometimes. And that they were the much better team on third down and extending drives tonight. Oklahoma was the far more explosive team. But 
Oklahoma, comparatively on their third downs, they were not as consistent at converting. When they had to have it, they couldn't do it. Not yeah. enough. I mean, Oklahoma had 550 yards of offense. It averaged seven and a half yards per play. It didn't turn the ball over. And it was down two scores in the final minute. Like, I know it's a seven-point game in the end, but that's only because the Sooners scored in the last 30 seconds to make it one score, and then they had to go for an onside kick, which they didn't get. So it's like, that's just, that that's that's problematic to me. Like, if I'm the Sooners looking forward and I lose that game, like, you know, I remember when, again, I don't want to harp on this because I, I did truly mean it as a joke at the top, but, like, we were getting from Oklahoma fans, well, with Brent Venables in, the defense is finally going to be fixed. Uh, hmm. Defense does not look fixed because, again, you had 550 yards. You averaged seven and a half per play. Your offense didn't turn the ball over a single time, and you were down two scores in the final minute to Kansas State. Mm. Any other uh, final thoughts here? We got we got a lot to get to, so I don't I don't want to spend ten minutes on you know. Oklahoma, Kansas State, especially again, when it is a result that we have seen, there is a little bit of like, we've seen this movie before. There's and- a whole lot of that going around today, by the yeah. way. <laughs> Texas, Miami, we'll get to y'all in just a little bit. Um, how about Texas A&M getting up off the mat? And I mean, look, Arkansas got control of this game early. Kind of looked like this was going to be a spot where, uh, the Razorbacks were going to be able to ride KJ Jefferson. We're going to be able to ride that physical offensive line and just just kind of uh, played out just like it did last week and Ar- last year in Arlington. But you know, Texas A&M comes up with some big defensive stops. Things got a little bit kooky down near uh, in the final stretch of the game. Texas A&M ends up winning twenty three to twenty one against Arkansas. I thought it was a pretty good game. Uh, obviously, the fact that the Aggies were um, able to come out victorious is huge for them, especially in the context of the SEC and in the context of the season itself. But what did you see from the? How about from the Texas A&M side of this? What did you see from this that was important in helping them win the game? I saw a 98-yard fumble return that was the primary dis- like difference in this yes. game. I, but you've got to be able to bounce I, back. Like I'm tired. Like I'm sure. But off the top okay. of the right. <laughs> I mean, in, in what area other than fumble luck was AM better than Arkansas tonight? I guess field goal kicking. Well, see, that's the thing, right? Like, right now, gaining by what? Sorry. Fumble luck. Like, there was no such thing as fumble luck tonight. Because, like, that one ninety-eight yard fumble that was returned, there were eight fumbles in the game. That was the only one that changed possession. That's true. <laughs> I mean, Max Johnson was 11 of 21 for... 151. That's better. I thought Devin A chain was great. Well, look, I like yes, forget fumble. I thought I thought Devin A chain was great. And I Smith went out and they still were able to come up with some big plays to be able to set themselves up. I I thought that Texas AM, like in, in the most like dumb knuckle dragging way, overcame overcame some adversity on the field, you know. But like for real, like this was a spot where it looked like they were going to lose and they came up with stops and they came up with you know, just enough to be able to win. Like, this is not going to be a sexy team. It is a Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M team. They're destined to be 8-4, and four, ranked 23 in the final college football playoff rankings. This was this was a good win for them, I think. I didn't like how Arkansas managed the clock at the end, mm. to be honest. Like, they, they were playing like, like, like they – like that field goal was, was basically assumed, you know. Uh, 
do you, do you take like they take a timeout before third and fourteen, right? And then run KJ to decide Stop to run a, a run a QB draw. Then they take another timeout. So if they don't take those timeouts, they force an AM offense, which was not good on the night, um, to have to make a first down. You're 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 still fighting in this thing if you say those timeouts. It, it's uh I don't know. I, I I didn't love how they managed the game, to be honest. And based on how they took care of the ball, they didn't deserve to win. They I mean they fumbled it five times tonight. As mm-hmm. Tom noted, they didn't lose but one of them. But I like their run game a lot. I also liked AM's run game. I, I I thought Arkansas had to play to protect its DBs quite a bit, and AM took advantage of that on the ground. Honestly, if I'm AM, I'm happy I got this win. I feel like this is a win I needed, but I wouldn't put too much stock in anything that happened here. I would I, I'm not sitting there trying to think that okay, we're good, we're Gucci, everything's fine, we're gonna get things figured out. Because if you look offensively, I know they had 98 yards on the fumble return, and in a way that kind of counts, but still on offense, they averaged they were they only had 343 yards of offense. They still struggled badly on third downs in the red zone. They had three possessions. They got two touchdowns and a field goal. That was good. But if you look overall, they had 11 possessions, 10 if you don't count the one at the end of the fourth quarter that was just kind of a kneel out. So they had 10 possessions. They only managed points on three of them. So if I'm looking at AM, I'm thankful to my defense tonight for keeping us in the game and forcing those fumbles, even if I couldn't really get on top of four of them. But offensively, the problems that we've been talking about with this team are still there. And then if you look at the Aeneas Smith injury, if that is a long-term one that they're going to be without for a while, and you know, I don't, we can't judge it based on what we see without evaluating it ourselves, but just how he was acting with his foot in the boot and you know, kind of looking emotional with his dad on the sideline there, I have a feeling he could be out for a while, which is not going to help the Aggies offense. Max Johnson did not exactly come in and alleviate any concerns for me about that team at that position. I mean, I thought I thought he made some kind of crazy gamer plays, which I enjoyed watching because they were fun, but I don't think I would consider how he played tonight to be a quarterback playing well. So if I'm the Aggies, thrilled I got this win, needed this win, still kind of concerned about the rest of the year. I will say, uh, if you want a bright spot and you're an AM fan, I think Arkansas's offensive line is very good. Like they they did push around AM some in this ballgame, but they didn't finish well. Mississippi State's offensive line is nowhere close to this. Auburn's is, is garbage. LSU's is, I don't think, very good. Their other draw from the East is South Carolina and I forget who who, they, who else they get. Uh, but it's probably not a great offensive line, if I had to guess, just thinking about, about the lines right now. In the East, they don't, they don't play Florida, do they? It, it's South Carolina and somebody else for for the Aggies. Ole Miss is pretty good up front, so I'll, you have faced some of the better offensive lines you're going to have to face this year. And I think AM's defensive line could continue to mature since there's a lot of a lot of good young guys in that D line and get better and take advantage of some of these lesser offensive lines down the stretch. So all is not lost in College Station for sure. It is uh, the Gators. They do get the Gators. Oh well, actually, Florida's not bad up front. No. Uh, that'll be interesting. A uh, question from the chat, bud. And uh, always, we appreciate it. We've got a lot of people who watch us live. And we. And if you are listening to this later, there is always that opportunity. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Smash the bell for notifications so you go live. Chris asks, bud, please explain why Durkin insists on going 3D defensive linemen when A&M has studs on the defensive line. I I mean, look, Jimbo hired him for a reason, right? It... it uh... I don't really know what that reason is. Maybe he liked what he did last year at Ole Miss. 
Um, I think you could have got somebody better, to be honest. Like, I mean, it, I, I don't know. I, I don't Losing Mike Elko is tough. Yeah, that is true. Um, I think A&M has stud names on the D-line. I'm not really sure they have that many guys who are current studs. Like, I think we'll, we'll look back and say, I can't believe they had all these guys in the D-line. And that's true, but I'm not really sure how many of them are, are fully formed studs just yet. There there's some really young guys in the D-line still. Where do you want to go next? Tom? Do you want to stick in the SEC? Because I know there's another game that happened in the SEC today that our producer would love for us to discuss. Hendon mm. Hooker Heisman? He's got to be in the conversation. Right? Yeah. 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 He had a phenomenal game on a massive stage. The um, Florida, I thought, had, I, how about this? Tom, you live blogged this game. You had more eyes on it than I did. You know, I was all over the place. Uh, you know, I had to I, I had to live blog that Clemson wake insanity, which we'll get to a little bit later. And then all of a sudden, Miami put me I had to watch that trash game. Much love to Middle Tennessee, producer Jordan, obviously. But um I had to put that game on the main screen. So Tom, uh, you take lead on this. What what stood out to you? What do you think were the big storylines coming out of Tennessee's win? Like I think this win is huge. Because obviously it's a rivalry that Florida has dominated for the most part over the last three decades. And you you end the losing streak to them. You get a big win. You, you improve to 4-0. You're going to be ranked in the top 10 come tomorrow. You're setting yourself up as the second best team in the East behind Georgia. You still get to play Georgia. So you can still entertain the idea that we can win the division and get to the SEC championship. Hell, you can entertain the idea that you can get to the playoff. And as we're talking, Hendon Hooker, Heisman candidate. The problem that I have with what I saw today is my biggest concern about Tennessee coming into the year was defensively. Like it wasn't, it was terrible last year. And from what I saw of the Vols for the beginning of the season, I was like, Oh no, this defense is getting better. They're not what you're going to ever call an elite unit, but they are improving. And then today they go up against a Florida team that we have seen struggle offensively a bit with Anthony Richardson the last few weeks. And Florida puts up 594 yards of offense against them, 6.8 yards per play. Anthony Richardson throws for 453 yards and two touchdowns while rushing for 62. Now, granted, part of that was because Tennessee's entire defensive game plan was like, if it's an RPO, if there's an option, we're going to take away the run part of the option and see if these guys can beat us through the air. And it was a good game plan because doing it consistently – they you know it didn't happen but that's only because Tennessee's offense was so explosive and Florida honestly couldn't couldn't slow them down and I was a bit surprised by Tennessee's game plan too because when you saw against Florida against South Florida last week what was killing the Gators in that game what kept it close the entire time was Florida couldn't stop the run so I thought Tennessee was going to try to run the ball more against them but they couldn't run the ball outside of Hendon Hooker Jabari Small and Jalen Wright really couldn't get a whole lot going the offensive line I thought struggled and to me, that's a concern going forward. Like, they've still got to play Alabama. They've still got to play Georgia. If their offensive line plays like it did today, I don't think they're going to do very well in those games. If their defense plays like it did today, I don't think they're going to do very well in those games. So if you're Tennessee, it's kind of a similar situation to Texas A&M. I'm thrilled with today's win. I'm feeling great about it. But there are some warning signs there that you look closer. It's like... It's going to get rougher from this point out. And again, nobody is expecting Tennessee to beat Georgia and Alabama anyway, but I think that with this kind of start, you know, there's probably some positive vibes in the fan base starting to think anything's possible. As a neutral observer, I don't think it's possible. You know, I, 
I'm going to take a positive take on on, on Tennessee. I, I think they have a fairly good shot to go ten and two this year. Um, yes, right. So Kentucky's offense is not good this year, guys. Like they don't they don't block people the way they normally do. They're they're pretty leaky up front. And like if you tell me that that, that Tennessee is going to score forty five, and I think they probably will. I just don't think Kentucky can score something that starts with a four. Uh, LSU probably the same. Going to Death Valley is never easy. We just saw them really control uh, a, a decent Mississippi State team, I think. Uh, but they took a really good shot from Florida here, right? Oh, yeah. You, you, UF was ready for them. They went 5 of 6 on fourth down. UF was perfect, I think, in the red zone as far as scoring touchdowns, right? I mean, Florida did basically everything right in this game and still was down double digits in the final two minutes. You know, I think Tennessee is pretty damn good because what they do offensively, and assuming they get Tillman back, I don't know the nature of, of Tillman's injury, but, I mean, they dropped 38, and 38 is about the, the absolute minimum you could score when, when you have 576 yards of offense, right? Like There are other times when you put up the numbers that Tennessee did today, and you, you score 50. So – this was Florida's A game, I think, for sure. I mean, I, I don't think Florida could play any better than that defensively or offensively, and uh, at least not this year. I thought Napier actually did a great job calling the game and coaching the game, going for it when he needed to, understand Like, he was playing to win, not just playing to keep it close. He could have just punted the ball a couple times, and under betters would, would have probably enjoyed that. Uh, first half under for the win, by the way. Thank you. Yay. Thank you, slow pace gators. Oh, my full games, gosh. Full game under, not for the win. God. Not for the win at all. all. Actually, I had a terrible week on the locks. Danny had a terrible week in the locks. We're all having a terrible week in the locks, and but I'm blaming you. I think it's probably fair. You were bragging too much. I'm blaming you. It's all on you. I yeah, I will say I that yes, you got a little chesty about that team record. I, it made me real uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we had a good team record. I think, though, I got you guys. Because the sprinkles... We went three or four, three or four on sprinkles. Yeah, you so, and Dan had good sprinkle days. All right, so we're probably still, if not up units, we're not like, we're you know, it's we're bad. still eating some meat. Yeah. All right. So, I, but can, the, the bigger question to me is, can Tennessee beat Alabama when Alabama comes to town in two weeks? Now, I thought this game was further down the line. This is in two weeks, man. Bama's got to get right. How did you think it was further down the line? Like I know it's always the whatever Saturday, Third Saturday in October. In October. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just well October first. I'll give you that. We the fact that we've got an October first as our first Saturday does mean it is early. Like this is the earliest that the third Saturday could be. So you've got that. I understand. If if Texas can bomb it on Alabama, I can't rule out the possibility that that Tennessee because they get a bye week before this. I just realized. I think don't they? Yeah, they get a bye week before LSU, and then they get. Uh, they go to LSU and, and then host Bama. If they get Tillman back and Bama doesn't get its secondary right, because it certainly did not look right against Texas before Ewers went out, they could win the game. I don't think they will win the game, but that's not a, a guaranteed lock at this point. Bud's predicting that Tennessee beats Alabama. Put it out. Okay. In the Let's just go totally crazy. Kent State today gave Georgia all kinds of fits, and they run a very similar offense, so – Possibly like they saw. Did you some- get it? All right. So we've we've got Kent State, uh, a little Kent State special coming up on the Cover Three podcast. I, I'm guessing you were dialed into that one. I've not gotten a chance to watch it yet. 
I never took it seriously as though it was an issue. So how close was it to being an issue? Not particularly close, I don't think. Right? Kent State played very well. They played hard. They didn't make some of the critical mistakes that you see teams who are 45-point underdogs make. But I never really felt like they were actually going to get stops on Georgia. They did get red zone stops, though. They forced a lot of field goals. They made Georgia pay when, when Georgia was sloppy. Like they, It was a really hard-fought effort for a team that honestly could have like laid down and just focused on their conference season, you know, like you're, but they didn't, they, they fought hard. I was, I was pretty impressed. It's so funny because um, I don't, I don't know why this always happens in college football, I guess, because there's so much difference between teams, but I love the phrase that a team was playing with its food. Cause it really yeah. actually tells me what they were doing because Georgia playing with its food against Kent State means that it's not actually, it's not throwing its food on the floor, but it's not eating its food. It is doing an imitation of the process of eating its food. It is sitting at the table. It is behaving, but it is not eating its food. Georgia was going through the motions. It was playing sloppy. It was having execution errors, but it was not being Georgia. It was not playing Georgia football. So I will get uh, a little bit of that rewatch in for the Bulldogs, but when I saw it described as Georgia playing with its food, I was like, oh, well, they're probably going to win, but they're just playing with their food right now. So I'm not going to overreact to it too much, but I do look forward to hearing the Kent State side of things. Should, should we just do the college football is back? Yes. Yes. College football is back. <sighs> what a great Saturday. What a, what a great Saturday for everyone who loves when – when, when Texas and Miami are good, college football is better, right, guys? Isn't that isn't that what they always tell us? Yeah, that you need you need Texas and Miami to be good for college football to be at its peak. I mean, would they be so like determined to expand the playoff every year if Texas and Miami were good? No, because everybody would love college football if that was the case. Because the sports better when they're good, and that so Texas and Miami are to blame for college football playoff expansion. Is what I'm saying. Did you enjoy the uh, the pro atmosphere in Miami Stadium today? Uh, shout out uh, to whoever the guy on, on the Levitard uh, pod that, that, who was ranting about how uh, Barstool was miscategorizing uh, what uh, TVD said about how he likes playing road games better than home games because like nobody shows up to the home games in Miami. Uh, but it's okay. Oh, you mean the quarterback that got benched today, Tyler yeah. Van Dyke, the reigning yeah. ACC Offensive Rookie of the Year? Who mm -hmm. uh, I will allow shots at Miami. I will allow shots at Miami fans. I will allow shots at the atmosphere at Miami games. Do not besmirch Tyler Van Dyke in my presence. Oh, okay. So you, okay. I mean, all right, let's, let's get if Tyler it. Bikes, if he could transfer like mid season, I was thinking, I was thinking about it today. Guys who, who, if they could, would probably be well served to transfer and get out of those offensive situations right now. Him, Armstrong, there's probably a couple more, you know, Brendan Armstrong at UVA. I mean, he was 16 of 32 today. For a buck thirty-eight, with two Miami, Miami came out. They were listless. Great win by Middle Tennessee State. At at one point, Middle Tennessee State, I think, had six touchdowns and five first downs, which seems like a record to me. No, no, no. But, it was taunting. Okay, I know that they're trying to crack down on taunting in college football. They should have just flagged Middle Tennessee because um, what was the one thing that Miami just cannot do? It's explosive plays. You know what Middle Tennessee had? 
touchdown plays, not drives, plays of 71, 69, and 98 yards. And the 98-yard touchdown play happened after Miami wasn't able to punch it in after having second and goal at the one. Running this offense is a choice that Miami's making, by the way. Like, you know what you get when you hire Cristobal, okay? You get a tremendous recruiter. You get a good developer of talent at most positions. You get a tremendous recruiter. You get a guy who knows how to run a program. Game management, offense, look at what happened with Justin Herbert. We got 11 years of data on this now, okay? This kind of stuff happens, and it happens to to every team out there. Not really losing as a 26-point favorite. That doesn't happen to every team. I mean, some teams go decades without losing as a 26-point favorite. I think everybody in the state of Florida has done it recently. Obviously, up this year with Jacksonville State and you know UF had Georgia Southern uh, back in the day. But it's and I know that Middle Tennessee State's running the new air raid. This is also a team that that had 35 yards in the first half against James Madison, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. This is probably a team in Miami that'll be a lot better next year. I would guess because they'll have better buy-in. Maybe they don't have buy-in right now. I know they're missing some receivers. I mean, well, but defensively, the whole yeah. the whole team is falling apart. I mean, it is yeah. it's getting really bad in terms of the injuries that are uh, piling up right now. And Mario Cristobal in the post game press conference, you know, he 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 like he and Dabo Sweeney. I mean, they were the, they circled their cornerbacks and were like, yeah, bad play. You know, we we, we got to be honest about this. How about Here's stats that kind of just completely summarize what Miami's problem is offensively? Success rate, they rank ninth nationally, 51.5%. Explosive play rate, they're 92nd. They're going four to five yards at a time. They've got to put together 12, 13 play drives to reach the end zone and score. They do not have enough explosive plays. And when you don't have any explosive plays, it's really hard to score points. Now, that said, it shouldn't be that hard to do against Middle Tennessee State. Right. Also, uh, today's success rate, 31%. Mm-hmm. So not only do they not have very many explosive plays, they also just uh, didn't do the consistent moving the chains. Their top two backs, uh, Parrish and Franklin, in this ballgame, 29 carries, 93 yards. That's terrible. They allowed eight tackles for loss and four sacks. Yeah, it's just, it's- you, you can't tell me that that having like 15,000 people at the game and they announced that they, they claimed 40, but it, if you looked at some of the crowd shots, I mean, there's everybody had to be at the Marlins game or something like that. Was there a Marlins game today? Maybe. No, but that, they were doing that. That has to affect you though. Doesn't well, it? I don't that, know. Like, the fans don't give a damn. And like you're playing in front of nobody all the time. No, that crowd got loud when Jake Garcia came in and I kid you not, like it got loud the way that high school football games get loud where the like seats are empty, but you can still hear some noise like that. They were fired up when Jake Garcia came in, had a little spark. The problem was that the goal line stand and the 98-yard touchdown were right after that. So then it just sucked all the life out. Can I I pose a theory out there? It's something I've discussed a little bit on this show in the past. It involves a guy who won the Broyles Award last year. Josh Gaddis. Josh Gaddis came to Michigan, and it was going to be to change the offense, modernize what they'd been doing, because that was the one thing that was keeping Michigan down. It wasn't great the first few years. It was choppy. Last year, Michigan's offense suddenly goes back to very similar to what it you know, always had been. Harbaugh is kind of, yeah, smash mouth, two tight ends, run the ball, all that kind of stuff. And the offense is a great year. Gaddis wins the, the Broyles Award. And 
He's poached away by Miami in a coup. Just a tremendous move by Miami. Michigan's offense is still fine. We don't know who the play caller is at Michigan. There are two offensive coordinators, and they will not tell you which one's calling the plays. Hmm. Miami's offense with Josh Gaddis, the Broyles Award winner, struggling. Just throwing that out there. Hmm. <laughs> what about Texas? Well, I mean, they're Texas. They, they, I didn't. I didn't get. I didn't see the way that it unfolded. I have thoughts about the result and what it means, but that's going to be an upon further review for me in terms of how I'm spinning this forward with the Longhorns. Like I, I think that Texas Tech is. Uh, I don't know. I just did. Y'all get more eyes on this than I did. Yeah, I saw a good amount of this game. I mean, first of all, Quinn Ewers did not play. So all the reports about him being in practice and everything and the potential of him playing. They listed him first on the depth chart with an oar. That was silly. There's, you know, smoke. It's kind of a ruse. He did not play Hudson Card, did not play poorly, but you could tell also tell Hudson Card wasn't quite 100% himself because you got to remember he was dealing with an ankle sprain too. So I think you have to have that caveat of what happened in this game, but I don't want to take anything away from Texas Tech because I've been high on Donovan Smith since last year. He had not played well for the most part this year. Played well today. 331 yards passing, two touchdowns, completed 68% of his passes. He also rushed for 42 yards and a score. Just did not turn the ball over. Texas Tech had no turnovers. And that has really been his problem the last few weeks. It was too many turnovers. He cleaned that up. I thought he played well. I thought the Red Rivers offense played well. The Texas defense that kind of showed up and showed out against Alabama didn't really show up today. Or it did, but it didn't come through in big moments. Like, they weren't giving up a lot of big plays, as far as I remember. They weren't getting gashed. They weren't doing stupid things. But in the moments where they needed to get off the field or make a play to get going, they kind of came up short and gave Texas Tech a few too many chances to stay in this game. And it was one of those situations to me where you, you let the underdog hang around too long and eventually they're going to get you. And I think that's kind of just what happened here. They ran 100 plays. Texas did? No, Texas Tech. Tech. Texas ran 60. I mean, that's like they had 4.8 yards of play, but they did it 80 or 100 times. So, yeah, yeah, that's I mean, that's a pretty interesting stat there. I I didn't get eyes on this. I'm I'm really anxious to watch just to see what they look like. I mean, I assume if you're at 7.1 yards play, but you only run 60 plays and you lose the game in overtime, you probably had a lot of explosives and you weren't able to stay on the field consistently. That's, I mean, just doing this for work, we can all eyeball the box score here. And yeah, okay, so passes of 22, 35, 39, 28, 23, and then they had a 40-yard run. Um, what were they on third down? Three of nine. All right, there you go. And red zone, probably some issues. And they were uh, minus two in turnovers. They did get eight tackles for loss, though, whereas Texas Tech only got three. I don't expect Texas Tech's defense to get a lot of tackles for loss. I would agree. They're bend but don't break, right? But mm-hmm. I think it like Texas is playing two true freshmen on the offensive line, and now oh, I think we have, I we, we have a couple data points that say like, man, this, this Texas offensive line next year. I know Texas fans will be bummed about today's loss. Uh, this Texas offensive line next year might be really damn good if, the, if these true freshmen are playing as well as they are right now. Okay, so before actually let's let's do this. Coming up on the other side, the ending of Auburn 
Missouri. It was an epic, a drama, a comedy, and an absolute horror all in one. We'll get into that and more next. I complained earlier about having to get like dialed in for work and put that middle Tennessee Miami game on my main screen and have to write about it because I felt like it was not quality football. You know, I I felt like I was just not watching the best that the sport had to offer on a day that had a lot of really exciting stuff, but thank goodness I wasn't put on the Auburn, Missouri watch because that's a game that nobody wanted to win. Whether it is Missouri playing for a field goal at the very end of regulation and just going total chip shot on that, or whether it's Missouri going for the game-winning touchdown and fumbling out the end zone for a touchback in the overtime periods, somehow, someway, remember Bruce Feldman from The Athletic uh, reported that if Auburn lost to Missouri, expect Brian Harson to be fired. So that hangs over this entire game. This entire game where Auburn has no quarterbacks going into it, loses Robbie Ashford to injury early in the game, and the play-by-play chart of this thing is just punt, 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 punt. It's everything that Iowa Rutgers should have been. That's what we got in Auburn, Missouri. And yet it ends in this disaster comedy of errors here in overtime. How special Auburn was that? Had, Auburn had 217 yards of offense in one. Yeah. And they didn't throw a pass. They, they had, didn't, they have, didn't they have a scoring drive or they didn't throw a pass? Yeah, they're scoring yeah. the opening drive of the game. It was a uh, it was a 14-play, 59-yard drive, 14 runs. Dean in the chat said that Eli's car got keyed by Auburn boosters. <laughs> that's awesome yeah those i mean it truly looks like the game that where so many forces both literally on the field and you know ethereal ones were trying to create this brian auburn loses brian harson gets fired situation and look just because auburn won does not mean that we're in the clear on this brian harson thing you know we'll we'll see but uh like, but but would you make it this one? I mean, just just football at its finest, right? Yeah, I mean, a terrible game. Uh, I just personally, I had the under here, so I was extremely annoyed this thing was going to go to overtime, just in case we might have some ridiculousness. But uh, let, let's go back to the final series for Missouri before overtime because they they really botched this, I think. Right, fourth and one for Auburn on the Mizzou twenty nine. It's too long to kick a field goal because Auburn's just missing field goals left and right. They, they run for it with Tank Bigsby. Missouri's defense rises up, tackles him for loss. So Missouri takes over on its own 30, right? QB Cook runs for 13, incomplete. Passes for eight, passes for nine, first down, false start. Then run for three, then a pass for 39, down to the Auburn three. Okay, pretty good. You have uh, 49 seconds left, and you have, I think, Two timeouts? Why are you not trying to score there if you have two timeouts in 49 seconds? Instead, kneel down. Kneel down. Kick it on third down. No good. 
guys, I, I know there's some risk of a turnover, but we're in college football. These are not automatic kicks as we saw with Auburn. What You have Auburn on the ropes. Auburn is a team playing for a coach who's going to get fired, almost certainly. They just got stopped on their, their chance to win the game. They're playing defense unlike they've played defense the entire game, which is allowing you to hit explosive plays on them, which you really didn't do all day other than this. And you're just going to willingly kneel down? I I thought you should have tried to score, personally, and they didn't. If if I rooted for a team who did that, I would be on a message board typing in all caps, spelling a lot of words incorrectly, <laughs> coming up with like weird nicknames for the coach too. It'd be like Eli Drink Whiz or something. Yeah, it's just I'd be hiring Dion. Yeah, I'd be hiring Dion. It's just like that was I was again had I had no skin in this game because I had no, I didn't bet on any of it. I didn't I was I just had it on one of the screens and I was because it was close. And there weren't a whole lot of close games at the time, so I flip it on and I'm watching. And I didn't have like complete attention. And at first, like I saw, like I thought, okay, they're down to the three. I'm go back to this other screen. I look back, and I saw them kneeling down. And I thought maybe I had just miss like I misread the score. Like I thought maybe Mizzou was winning. Oh, and they were doing a borderline erotic kneel. Like yeah. they were just like, and they just like got a big. I was like, oh, maybe shoot, maybe maybe it's like maybe they're up. I just misread the score, and they had that big play down, and that just iced it. And now they're going to kneel and they're going to win. And then I'm like, oh no, wait, no, like <laughs> it's fourteen to fourteen. Oh God, yeah. If I'm a Missouri fan, if I'm Bill Connolly, and I'm I'm oh poor Red Bill tonight because my God. What the hell was my coach doing? It's like I I understand the thought process in that it's like okay, well I don't want to screw this up. I really want to win this game, but my God, man, that's just you screwed it up by trying not to screw it up. So, um, any any other notes here? I mean, I we just uh, we had to mention it. It's bananas, and it obviously plays a huge role in the uh, the the sort of Brian Harson saga. I've. I've also got questions about how Washington State let this thing get away because Oregon ran off two Bo Nix touchdowns and one pick six in a three-minute span to turn a 12-point deficit at the five-minute mark in the fourth quarter into an almost double-digit win until they let Washington State get all the way down the field there for a sweet little backdoor cover. I don't know who all was in on Washington State plus six and a half, but certainly the uh, the Cougars hold a, a, a fond place in your heart right now. So, you know, Oregon is able to survive. Are, are you impressed by the Ducks' ability to to get on this late uh, flurry of points, or are you more disappointed in Washington State? Uh. Oregon had seven red zone possessions and scored three times. Oh, God, I forgot this was the whole, like, they mm-hmm. – <clears throat> The whole game, because that's yeah. they finished with what, like 500, 600 yards of offense, six hundred twenty-four. Oh, yeah. that's it. Okay, yeah. yeah, that was it. I was like, I was like, yeah, I forgot. They're they're like points per scoring opportunity is like one probably one of the worst we're gonna find from a top twenty-five team today. Mm-hmm. That was the note. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was this was a Bo Nix roller coaster because he had four hundred twenty-eight yards. He threw for three touchdowns. He also threw a. T- terrible pick six like just a throw that was completely off target that he didn't even need to try to make it was just it was you saw everything Bo Nix does on display here and it was also just like you said the ending of the game was just uh it, 
it was dumb. <laughs> it was college football at its best and worst at the same time. Oregon scored 29 points in the fourth quarter. So I had the under in this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> under 58. We're at 42 points heading in the fourth quarter. I'm like, All right. Okay. Like, kind of on pace. We'll see. Kind of coin flippy. Game finishes with 85 points. Uh, if Bo Nix has protection, he's not bad. And he didn't have perfect protection today, but they never sacked him. Oregon's offensive line is pretty good, and they were finding ways to get guys open. Washington State's defense just was not able to get enough pressure on Nix to make him do you know, sort of Bo Nixian type stuff. On the other end of things, Cam Ward was that entire offense mm-hmm. for Washington State. Like we did, we've been talking about this for a while. They have they do have some offensive line problems, and they had 41 rushing yards today on 24 uh, carries. Now, sack adjusted rushing yards, 75 total, 3.8 per attempt. So still not not great if you pull out the sacks there. Oregon was just a more balanced, better team. It just took them a long time to show it because Washington State kept bowing up in the red zone, which, hey, red zone roulette, right? I guess so. Um, let's see. What we, else have is- a, we have an anxiety-producing punt here. Have you seen this? No. Uh, USC just punted from their uh, – is this right? You, Tom, do you have this, th- this thing on? Because it looks like USC just – punting from their two. From their own two, and it was just returned to the two? Oh, was it returned? I haven't seen that. It's a 30-yard punt, maybe not the uh, not the best. Ooh, all right. So, do, do you want to dive in? It, how about this? Someone's like, are, are you going to apologize are you are, are you gonna apologize? What apologize for being wrong? Come on, buddy. I've been doing this for a long time. Been wrong a lot. <laughs> nothing wrong with being wrong. I've been wrong so many times. I was wrong about North Carolina and Notre Dame. I wasn't a hundred percent like it's just when the game went sideways, I knew what was happening. I'll just say I wasn't sweating it out because North Carolina's defense has this amazing thing where. When one thing goes wrong, all of a sudden everything goes wrong. Like it is, uh, it it is only held together by the very strict rules that they have put in place. And the minute that one offensive adjustment is made, they're done. Not to mention that Tommy Reese was like, "Hey, they look skinny and small. We look real big and strong. Why don't we take our fullback?" and put them at tailback, and just let them run into them. See what happens. Tom called this. Tom was right. Tom said, win at the line of scrimmage. Tom, Tom was also very specific. He said, look, Notre Dame is going to score. You didn't even, you were like, North Carolina might score too. You gave respect. You put respect on the name of Drake May. You just said, I feel like Notre Dame's going to score here. They owned the line of scrimmage. They were bigger. They were stronger. And, uh, and man, it's uh, it, it, there's an unhappy look. I made all that talk about all them boosters and all them, all the Sea Island golf trip mafia, and you know everybody that was so excited and had this game circled. Mm-mm. Not not a good look for Mac Brown. Not a good look for Gene Chizik. Not a good look for uh, for anybody around there because they even had a week off to get ready for this game, and they they got dunked on by Notre Dame at home in front of everybody on ABC in the 3.30 p.m. Eastern time window. Again, seasoned 
seasoned man of this culture. I'm used to it. As soon as it got sideways, I was like, ha, I know what's going on here. I, I moved on with my day. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for being wrong. I was wrong. Still wrong Chip had seen enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was out. Uh, so, Tom, did did you get eyes on on your successful uh, your successful pick here? Yeah, some. I, I didn't pay too close of attention to it because, like, this was a decent game in the first quarter. In that North Carolina's defense was actually doing a good job, and I was like, uh oh, Notre Dame's offense isn't even able to move the ball against this team. They're going to have a long season. But then, yeah, the dam broke in the second quarter. And Notre Dame went from Tommy Reese screaming at Drew, Drew Pine, causing him to cry on the sidelines last week, to Drew Pine throwing for nearly 300 yards, three touchdowns, and Notre Dame getting 576 yards of offense because North Carolina's defense is awful. So uh, if you're Notre Dame, yeah, you need the win. But again, I'm going to be too excited about it because I, I need to see this offense do something against an actual defense before I'm actually going to believe in it. Yeah, uh, Notre Dame entered the day having scored 48 points on the year, and it scored 45 points today. So UNC's defense is sort of weird in that it doesn't matter who they play. Georgia State looked like it had never played offense before for large parts of Thursday night's game against Coastal, which, shout out Coastal, by the way, for winning that that ballgame on, on you know short turnaround on With Thursday. Grayson McCall going out too. Grayson McCall gets hurt. They've had a bunch of flu. They had to move a receiver to tailback and start him because their top four tailbacks were out. And yet they find a way to just totally boat race uh, Georgia State. So nice job. If you guys like want to hire a coach, <clears throat> Jamie Chadwell could be a, a good hire. Like just seems to constantly win and put up points. But it doesn't matter who North Carolina's defense plays. You're going to put up like 500 plus and 45 plus on them. Pretty much, it seems like. Now, maybe they'll make some changes. The bye week would have been a good time to make some of those changes, in theory. Uh, this may just be what you get more often than not. Although there are some pretty bad offenses in the Coastal. So, yeah, I mean, they get Virginia Tech up next. So, and Virginia is like, I mean, Virginia's not going to score 40 on them. So, the ACC Coastal Division went one and six in week four, and the one win was Pitt's Pitt. resounding victory against Rhode Island. Crushed it. Where, I, to be fair, it looked like they were just messing around. I mean, Pitt ended up winning that game. What was the score? 45-24, but they were like, I mean, didn't they have like five tight ends? They were running wing T. They, they, they really went all the way back to Pat Narduzzi's like true – spiritual home offensively, which is just li- just not putting the ball in the air at all, doing anything you can to limit the uh, the bad things that can happen. You, as respect, you have to respect Lamar Odom's Rhode Island Rams or else you could find yourself in a world of hurt. Are we giving them to Lamar? Who else do we know that went to Rhode Island? Um, I don't know, man. You'll get get catch my March Madness brain in February. I'll be able to recall oh, something. Like, uh, Nar- Narduzzi is a Rhode Island guy, according to the chat. We haven't verified this. Maybe he just didn't want to run it up on on his alma mater. Did he really go to Rhode Island? Did he? I, he I, was, know got, I don't know. Um. Okay. So yeah, the ACC Coastal was not on my list of things to mention here. Uh, so entering this week, yeah. Pitt was sixteen to one to win the ACC. I'm not really sure they're going to beat Clemson, but... Hey, 
Clemson. Didn't hey, hey, are they the best team in the coastal? Yeah, if, yeah. Assuming they get some guys back healthy. Like I know they got like three weeks. They get Georgia Tech and Vatek back to back, I think, after yeah. this. And then they get a bye. And then they go to Louisville. And then they got to play some tough, te- tough, tough teams. What if there is no best team in the coastal? What if the coastal just exists in a universe? In I mean, honestly, that's the thing that stinks for Florida. That that stinks for Florida State now four and zero with three Power Five wins. That stinks for NC State, which you know is now thump like won decisively against Texas Tech and thumped UConn today. Gets uh, Clemson coming up next weekend. Like that. That's the thing that stinks is that if you power for this being the last year of division play in the ACC that the three best teams in the ACC are probably all in the Atlantic division. Four best teams. Wake yeah. two. Hell, maybe five. Yeah. Who would be the fifth? I don't know. Name any of them. They're probably better no, than Coastal. No. Louisville's not better than Pitt. You don't know that. Syracuse is not better than Pitt. What? Undefeated Four. Syracuse? The Dome was electric on Friday night, Chip. That game was stupid. Well, the, the ACC is quite often stupid. So right, sometimes so, stupid is as stupid does, you know. What what stood out to y'all about Clemson Wake Forest? Clemson got their D line back, but they did not yeah. get their DBs back. And Wake Forest has some really good receivers, you know, Perry and Green and those dudes. And they just dunked on some Clemson DBs that if Clemson gets right, they will not be playing those DBs consistently. Three, two starters, one rotation, defensive back, all out for Clemson. Also, Wake Forest down two defensive backs, too. Which is why all these wide receivers were crushing all the one-on-one battles. Everybody was great. It looked like seven on. Yeah. And both quarterbacks are slinging it through the air. It's Honestly, I thought it stunk. I thought it stunk because Wake Forest was on the verge of snapping so many streaks. They, like, Clemson... It, from the 13-minute mark in the third quarter on, so for almost the entire second half, Clemson either trailed or was tied. And I mean, I mean, DJ, DJ made some plays in overtime. So credit to DJU. Is DJU back? No. We're, we're gonna uh, on, on a Texas and Miami back. Is DJU back? If you go back and watch the Georgia Tech game, he had like four drops that would have been about an, an, another, I don't know, 50 yards. He threw the ball pretty well today. Did he turn it over even once? I mean, no, there was like zero, you shouldn't against zero turnovers have, in the whole daggum game. Thousand yeah. yards of offense, seven hundred combined passing yards, eleven combined passing touchdowns, zero turnovers, seven on. Uh, was DJ even the best quarterback in this game? We're gonna say no. Hartman was better. Hartman, like, Hartman was, was amazing. But but DJ yeah. ultimately, like the plays that he made, in my opinion were the things that you want to have DJ Uyunglele as the starter for because of his size, his strength, his ability to literally have defenders holding on to him and he's able to stay upright and still deliver the ball. I mean, they just were like, all right, Davis Allen, Bo Collins, let's get all of our physical freaks and just have DJ put the ball in the right spot. And when he was doing like post-game stuff, uh, talking about it, I don't think he was, I don't think he was entirely being the typical quarterback when he was crediting his teammates he was like man i just i i was in some tough spots and i just tried to put that ball in a place where they could go and make a play and i think that's exactly what happened i mean davis allen was 
leaping over defenders and falling down as he was trying to make some of these grabs. It was it Clemson's got some athletes and uh and it's why they won in double overtime. So it's uh it, it does not give me any confidence in the Clemson Tigers. NC State's up next. That's no guarantee. Florida State comes up uh, October 15th. That's no guarantee. ACC Atlantic's wide open, boy. It's going to be tougher, uh, tougher, cl- tougher Wake Forest to win it with this head-to-head loss, uh, but we will see. Would you take Clemson or the field in the, in the, in the Atlantic? The field. Yeah. No, I'm still taking Clemson. I'm taking Clemson. Yeah, agreed. Because they got this win. And this might be the closest game they play. But they got to get those guys back. Because these DBs are are not, like the the dudes are running out there right now are not Clemson-style DBs. Would you take Clemson or Kansas? All right. Oh, Give it to us. Let's do it. Should we Uh, rank Kansas? I was going to say, are we doing a tomorrow's top 25 today segment? Because if we are, we're starting it right now. We're running out of segues, if not. So, yes. If Kansas <laughs> is not ranked tomorrow, I want everybody listening, everybody watching to write their local congressperson and demand that the Kansas Jayhawks are ranked because there is absolutely no reason for them not to be other than their name is Kansas, so you don't think they're good. They are 4-0. They beat a undefeated Duke team today. They've now got two road wins, one over West Virginia, one over Houston. They've beaten two Power 5 teams. Look around the country, look at all the 4-0 teams, and tell me how many of those 4-0 teams have two wins over Power 5 teams and two road wins. I'd love to know how many teams in this country right now have a resume like Kansas's. There is no reason for them not to be ranked. Jalen Daniels is playing fantastic. He is somebody who, if he wasn't playing for Kansas and was putting up the numbers that he's putting up, we would be discussing him as a Heisman dark horse. But since he plays for Kansas, (laughs) a Heisman player for the Jayhawks? Come on, let's be real. Kansas should not only be ranked. It should be in the top 10. I'm saying it. There's no, there aren't nine other, 10 other teams that have played better than Kansas this season. Don't just rank them. Look at all those top 10 teams that lost today. USC might be on the version of joint, the verge of joining them right now. Put Kansas in the top 10 or you don't know what you're doing and you don't deserve a vote. Florida Put State it. has yeah. uh, wins away from home and three wins over Power Five teams. Uh, Syracuse has three goals. Syracuse has three wins over Power Five teams, but a lot of them are at home in the dome. Rank the Oregon State. Yeah, if Oregon State beats USC, they definitely need to be ranked. Oregon State. You know who else should be ranked? They lost today. They should pull a Texas. Maryland should be ranked because Maryland is much better than I thought. Like (laughs) those DBs were covering guys, man. I was pretty impressed. Yeah, they were manning up. They were just getting right in their grill and they weren't letting them get by. Then they've the one difference to me, too, on the other side of the ball, Maryland was blocking Michigan. I haven't seen Maryland block a good defensive front in years. And they were doing it today. They were giving Tali all sorts of time. That was one of those cases to me where I was like, okay, I they lost the game, but I think Maryland's legit. I think they are one of the 25 best teams in the country. They lost to Michigan, it was number four. But they're still three and one. USC just scored a touchdown, by the way. But they're three and one, and their lone loss is to a top four team, and they hung within seven of them on the road. Maryland's probably one of the twenty-five best teams in the country right now. So if we're gonna go, re- but then we we got to bring this back. This is actually very good. Who drops it's, out. I, I've been uh, I, I just 
total transparency here. I've I've been furiously trying to finish this assignment while we've been here on the podcast. Uh, So Minnesota does not have a fantastic profile the way that Kansas does. Should be right. But Minnesota is outscoring its opponents 183 to 24. Should be ranked. Yeah. You want to get, I'll tell you what teams you get out of there. Uh, get Miami out. Yep. Uh, yes. So I've got Texas, Pitt it, it, in tomorrow's top 25 today. So the easy ones are Texas, Pitt, Miami, you're out. Mm-hmm. We're dropping Pitt after they won? Hell yes. You beat, you beat, your best win is West Virginia. All right. Florida is out. Honestly, I'm not ranking Texas A&M. Like, if you look at what Texas A&M Agreed. has done. Yeah, year, A&M's not a top 25 mm, team. What have they done besides start the year ranked in the top 10? That's been impressive. I would that is Arkansas be out? Because, like, is, they have wins over South Carolina and Cincinnati. But Cincinnati also beat Indiana. So, it's like Cincinnati is kind of knocking on the door. Cincinnati will show up on some ballots on Sunday. I don't think they will end up in the top 25. But Cincinnati is a top 25 team in the eyes of some voters. And mm-hmm. I think it, that while your opinion on Texas A&M is fine, if my job is to predict the AP top 25 oh, shooting sure. habits. Oh, if we're trying to predict it, yeah. yeah. Status quo unless you lost. Uh, m- maintain the proper causal relationship with your initial poll. The, thus, Kentucky uh, is somehow going to – Kentucky should Kentucky's going to move up, right? The top five but, Kentucky team. Probably will, but they should – next week. That is, if that's one of the 10 best teams in the country right now, we are in for a long, boring-ass season. No, I don't think it's like a just, top, 20, no, we get, we, top 25 listen, type team, man. You don't, don't, don't get they all it. They don't want to get it all. This, this works itself out. Ole Miss plays Kentucky next week. Someone's taking a hike. Both teams are undefeated. Someone's taking a hike. No, they'll, they'll both still be in the rankings the next week. We real. They're too. Danny's right about this. It's SEC. Yeah. yeah. yeah they'll, they'll, they'll keep them in. Uh, I mean, like, Arkansas with that defense. Are you getting Baylor out? No, Baylor won. No, Baylor. Baylor. This actually kind of soured my whole day, man. I, I that targeting call on a, just a, a textbook tackle to start the day, and then Baylor went right at at, at the backup safety for Iowa State the whole rest of the game. Like that's where a lot of their explosives came out of it. Football's in a, should just be an assumption of the risk game. If you play this, you might get hurt. You might get hurt badly, right? You might get some brain damage, just like boxing. We're not changing people's behavior like this. I, I really don't think like there's I don't know how else you would teach a guy how to tackle. The the running back is lowering into him. It, I agree with you on that hit in Baylor, Iowa State, but I will say you were hundred percent wrong on the targeting in Virginia Syracuse on Friday night. Kid lowered his head and was looking at the ground when he made contact with the top of his helmet. If that's not targeting, nothing is. But shouldn't we, like shouldn't the, the, the running back get tossed too for going down like that? I mean, if, Trader, if, 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 he's, he's lowered himself lowered, into the strike zone. He didn't, he didn't lower his shoulder. The, the tackler lowered his head and hit him like this. That's targeting. I mean, did I he hit him in the head? God. He hit him with the top of the, See what you hit. That dude saw his shoelaces. Yeah. That's all he saw. Are you throwing Wake Forest out of the top 25? Mm, no. But they around with Liberty. 21 going into it. They don't have a lot of quality wins, but boy, they just, uh, they sure looks like a, a good football team on Saturday. I think Ohio State can stick around. By the way, what does that tell you about like the state of Wisconsin this year and that Ohio State crushes them and we don't even mention it till like what minute are we? Like minute 63? Oh, I think Ohio State might take number two from Bama. 
It might they play tomorrow. Ohio State's beating them. Yeah, I've I'm projecting that Ohio State takes number two from Bama because I think Georgia is going to lose its grip on those first place votes, and the margin between Ohio State and Bama was really close. And I think that if voters are going to jump off of Georgia and decide either Alabama or Ohio State, Ohio State crushing Wisconsin is going to do more than Alabama thumping Vanderbilt. So I think it is, I mean, it's a, it's not a bold take. These teams might be able to like swap two and three all season long, but given what happened this week, if you, if you were a little disturbed by the Kent state final score and you're an AP voter who just covers one team and didn't watch all the games and you're just checking the scores app on your phone, you might decide that that score against Wisconsin is more impressive. So also, to further your point, I did see some tweets today from the CFB Twitterati that Ohio State should be ranked number one. So that means we're going to see some Ohio State number one ballots and USC is going to win and survive. Yeah, 59 out of 63 first place votes are with Georgia. My prediction at the top was that Georgia will still be number one, but they will not have 59 first place votes. And so I think that Alabama is probably going to end up, I mean, that Ohio State it's probably going to end up uh, getting some of those and then making a little jump. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. And I, d- I wasn't suggesting that Baylor's going to fall out. I am projecting that Baylor's still going to be very close to where they were. I was just saying, who else are you going to throw out of the top 25 as you try to make room? I think Kansas is in. I think Minnesota is in. I think Florida State is in. And then I think that you're looking at like Cincinnati. It's probably on the edge. You know, I, earlier. Can I push back on Minnesota? Yeah, sure. All right. That dare you. We have no evidence that Michigan State is worth a damn this year. They got totally crushed by Washington State, and then they racked up a ton of points in garbage time. All right. After the, the game was just, just like just over, over. They did not look very good in the opener against Akron, who isn't very good. They look like crap today. Minnesota also beat Colorado, who, I mean, UCLA played its like D game and won by 30 something today. I, this schedule is just totally pathetic for Minnesota. I'm not saying that Minnesota is not a good team. If you were power rating this, I do think Minnesota is probably a top 25 type team based on their quality of their defense. But if we're doing this based on like, I know it's, it's not only who you played, but how you've played and that's fair, but you do have other teams out, out there that are just totally crushing bad schedules too. And I, but they're I not Minnesota. Like Minnesota, not like Minnesota. That's fair. Minnesota's won by 40 points per game. And what is it, the available point stat that all you nerds use? Apparently they're like doing real good about that, where it's like they've gotten 86% of their available points and then they've only allowed 7% of the available points. I think it's available yards, but yeah, it, it or maybe it is points. But basically it's <laughs> like, hey, if you start on your own 13, you have 87 available yards, right? What is it about that available points, that stat that you nerds use? I hear they're doing pretty good at that. (laughs) Minnesota had more voting points in last week's balloting than Kansas did. Minnesota had uh, just shot. So the others receiving votes last week was Michigan State was Mm -hmm. the first team out, the team that Minnesota just beat at home. Florida State. App State, which just lost to James Madison. North Carolina, which just lost to Notre Dame. Washington State, which just lost to Oregon. Cincinnati, which did beat Indiana. Indiana stinks. Indiana's, <laughs> yeah. Oregon, Indiana's the worst Power 5 team east of the Rockies. Oregon State, 
which okay. uh, obviously just looks like just came up short against USC and then Minnesota. So they were already on ballots last week. You throw a convincing road win against Michigan State on there. I, that's a top 25 team on Sunday. Oh, Northwestern lost to Miami of Ohio, right? Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Big Ten yeah. sucks. Like, I, uh, I think my Twitter DMs must be broken because I got these like seven. I think there's only seven Northwestern fans. But when I said Holinsky wasn't very good, uh, after they put up points in Nebraska, which is kind of like North Carolina defense light, I got all these DMs from Holinsky lovers. But now I don't. Uh, I don't know. I haven't gotten any in recent weeks, which is very weird. Yeah, well, Ch- shout out Chuck Martin going in there winning without Gabbert. Like, if, I don't know if you, like how many of our listeners know, like Gabbert may be out for the year, but he's out for a while at least. They go in there and win with a backup quarterback. That's that's pretty impressive. Um, Listen, it's a tough stretch of the schedule. Southern Illinois and Miami of Ohio back to back weeks. That's you know not a lot of people could survive that. Oh my gosh, they lost two in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Or three, uh, all the way back to Duke. Yeah. I mean, they've oh, lost no. to Duke, Southern Illinois, and Miami, Ohio. But Duke's decent. Like, that's the one takeaway I too had from that Kansas-Duke game. It's like, I don't think Duke is very good, but Duke is decent. Yeah, Duke's going to end. Like, I don't, I don't know where we are with the whole Jeff Collins thing, but Duke beating Georgia Tech in Atlanta, that's, that, 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 could, be, that could be where this thing ends. It will not be an upset. Duke is better than Georgia Tech. Um, I think. Duke is winning the Coastal. Can we give another shout-out, by the way? I am absolutely here for an App State-Troy rematch. So, Troy, you know, they, they, they lost on the Hail Mary last week. They go play a Marshall team that I think was pretty clearly looking ahead to play Troy because Marshall screwed around and lost to Bowling Green last week after, after winning in Notre Dame. They get Carlton Marshall back, who's like one of the very best G5 defenders out there. He, he missed the App State game. He comes back with 17 tackles and four tackles for loss. So, hello. Uh, and they hold Marshall to under 175 yards of offense. Get the dub. ULL loses to La Monroe tonight. Mm-hmm. I mean, Troy just went through the toughest part of its schedule. Like they got the absolute short end of the stick as far as the coastal or the uh, the Sun Belt draw this year. If you think about this, because they had to play App and Marshall, assuming we think Marshall's decent, which maybe we need to revisit that now. They look pretty good. They had like four hundred something yards and screwed around the red zone a lot. But that defense is a different level than almost anybody else in the belt. And James Madison beats App State. But James Madison is not eligible to play for the Sun Belt Championship. Nope. Correct. Just got two quick shout outs for me. Uh, Western Kentucky, 73 to nothing over FIU. And Stephen that F. Austin. Yeah, Stephen F. What was that score? 98 to nothing? 98 to nothing. Yeah, and then shout out to Navy for getting on the board to win. Beating East Carolina in double overtime, 23 to 20. And they I pulled it off. Time. Yeah. I thought they lost. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Uh, the score I'm looking at says they won. Uh-oh. Yeah. Navy yeah. 23, ECU 20. Oh, yeah. That's not Wow. Good. Okay. And then finally, 
Shout out to Sacramento State. How hard is it to implement the air raid offense? Colorado State loses at home to Sacramento State 41 to 10. That was uh, not eligible for sprinkles, but I didn't have any of this. I know some people that definitely had this. It was. Wait, you know some people that were on Sacramento State heavy? Yeah. Like I mean, to the extent you can be heavy, like like you, you can't get very much down on the FCS game, but yeah, like Sacramento State is a better team than Colorado State is right now. Colorado State is they don't have players like they they had guys leave the team, dudes transfer mid season, they got a bunch of linemen hurt, they just don't have anybody. Like I, I don't know what the I'm pulling this up real fast. They allowed like eleven tackles for loss against Middle, or no, uh, eleven sacks against Middle, right? I think it was. It was something that was like, okay, I don't care how much of an overall, like a look ahead situation this is for Washington State. I'm betting Washington State when Colorado State comes down. Colorado State just can't block uh, anybody. Yeah. So uh, Sac State had seven tackles for loss. What truly stinks is it's like, you know, for years, Colorado and Colorado State played every year, like at Mile High Stadium. Like it was an early, like early season game rivalry game and now of all the years for them not to play is the one year where i really want to see a game between colorado and colorado state that would be a sicko mode game. like we should just take the show on the road for that game if that yeah. happened yeah. broadcasting live from invesco field maybe russell edibles box <laughs> yeah colorado um did y'all see uh what dan holgerson had to say after the game yeah but did you did you read it or did you hear it I heard it. It wasn't as interesting as mm-hmm. reading it. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think it's like, uh, well, you probably should still care about that because that is your team and it is your job to clean yeah, that when, up. <laughs> when he's telling the media, I'm tired of yelling at them. I'm tired of motivating them. I'm tired of all that crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bud. I don't know if you... Uh, I did quote, not see this. Quote, a lot of stupid stuff once again. And quote, I ain't taking responsibility for that probably should like you are the first who takes responsibility <laughs> so we want our coaches to be a leader and today after houston had a admittedly poor performance dana holgerson was a leader for his team under the bus to take them and lead them right under the bus after that performance yeah i mean this is like to be clear like this was i, I tweeted about this this was supposed to be the year like you know, remember when Dana showed up and they redshirted everybody that first season? This was what they were supposed to be building towards this kind of season to be, you know, a veteran team, a talented team, win the AAC, compete for New Year's Six birth. Last week, they're losing to Kansas, which, again, no shame in that because Kansas is a top 10 team. Put them on your ballots, you nerds. And then today, they're, they were losing to Rice in the fourth quarter before they finally got it together and won the game. Like, this is, I had some Houston fans in my mentions telling me that they are sick and tired of Dana's. Because they're saying this is what it's like every single week. This team shows up flat, doesn't look like it's prepared, and then just tries to get things together during the game. <laughs> Sounds like Chip in college. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, I mean, and by the way, for uh, context, it was 34 27 against Rice, a Rice team that did beat Louisiana. Yeah. But, but that also lost to ULM on Saturday. <laughs> But yeah, 34-27, Houston does win, but Holgo doesn't sound good. And that is, uh, we we asked the question, or I guess the question had come up in a mailbag, you know, what team 
has not met your expectations the most this year. I thought after 12 wins, zero conference losses, and bringing back Tank Dell, bringing back Clayton Toon, bringing back a ton of experience on the defensive line, I thought Houston was ready to compete for a New Year's Six bid. Nah. This team is not competing for a New Year's Six bid. This team is uh, competing to finish the season without um, completely combusting. So, Tulane up next on a uh, on a Friday night. If you want to see what happens uh, next in the Houston saga, here's a question for you guys right now: Who's your Who's your New Year's Six G five team right now? Keeping in mind BYU does not count, and that app just took its second loss. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati. Yeah. Probably. I mean, well, big resume win over Indiana again. <laughs> uh, actually, no. I I'm going to revise this. I I think it's Fresno. No, they, they have two losses. Could it be Fresno with two losses if the close if they're if they're close losses to USC and Oregon State? Not if Cincinnati has a win over Indiana and only a lot close loss to Arkansas. Like we're going to give them credit for win over Indiana. Indiana's like not even a top hundred team. But you're giving credit for close losses. That's true. I guess I was just thinking, you said who's the most disappointing team to you so far this year? And uh, I guess now it has to be Miami because they got blown out at home at Middle Tennessee State and they were, you know, like their win total was nine and a half entering the year or nine or whatever. But Boise State, we shouldn't forget this from Friday night. Guys, they scored 10 points at UTEP. Fired the the offensive coordinator. (laughs) Yeah, that that seems like a situation they, they need to clean house. From top down, that, that's not just an OC. I don't think. Um, I thought Avalos was going to work out there, but they've lost their edge. They don't look like Boise, and man, I. So if I Hainer think, gets back healthy. Fresno could walk to to that to that title. Remember that the New Year's, and this is a good point that's actually being brought up. Um, I saw Connor in the chat mention it, but because the college football playoff selection committee ultimately ends up ranking these teams and it is the highest ranked uh, group of five champion that gets there. If air force avoids another loss and does win the mountain West selection committee brain can say they were sick. They were missing players that Wyoming loss can be written off. We think the air force based on all the other data points is the highest ranked group of five team Air Force is actually, if again, if they're able to continue and win the conference, because you do need to win the conference to make the New Year's Six, Air Force might be a decent pick. If you're going to pick one team from the Mountain West, not a bad one. No, that's that's my dark horse pick. But speaking of Air Force, for our listeners, those of you who are watching right now, actually, and who listened early enough tomorrow, there's a line that's going to be posted tomorrow morning. The Air total Force. in Air Force Navy. Air Force oh. Navy. Air Force let me see what I make this. Yeah, yeah. What what is it going to be? I would guess forty four. That's the problem. Is it's not going to be a true Army Navy because Air Force is sick. Hmm. Yeah, Air Force is legit. I'm going to say it's going to be forty four, and the spread's going to be. I don't have my numbers in front of me. But I'm going to say seventeen and a half. Yeah. Wyoming could still beat BYU. Also. Is that game still close? It's 2017. Uh, BYU uh, body slammed the quarterback for Wyoming, and Wyoming got a, uh, like, literally just, you know. Uh, I do not 
Wyoming is the most confusing team in the country, or one of the most confusing teams in the country, because this is a team that is what they're two and one or three and one. They are currently three and one. They're three and one, and they looked like crap in that Illinois opener. They looked like they were going to be one of the worst teams in the country. They've won three games since, including a win over an Air Force team that has destroyed everything else in its path. And now, yeah, they just cut it to an 11-point game against BYU on the road. I do not understand this team at all. Uh, Peasley, their quarterback, who they got from Utah State, I think Utah State, he's not terrible, and they're finding some decent ways to use him Boise's playing really, or uh, BYU's playing really indisciplined right now. So, yeah. Mm. Well, there was uh, a lot that we still have to get our eyes on, a lot that we still have to break down, and that is what Monday's Upon Further Review is for. Thanks to all of you that have been hanging out with us. Make sure that you subscribe uh, to the Cover 3 podcast on your audio platform. Make sure that you Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Smash the bell for notifications so you can get an alert anytime that we go live, especially if we got any emergency podcasts in our future. Did Missouri save Brian Harson's job for another week? We will see. Did it cost Eli his? <laughs> we will see. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See you